in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season show. We're your hosts. Sister Crystal. Brother Phil. Topic today, Are the Wicked to be Annihilated? Part 3. I hate to say it, but people think, oh, if they're bad, they should be gone away with for good. And God, I'm, I'm glad his God's ways are much higher than our ways because he doesn't really have that kind of an idea in mind. His idea isn't to work on his enemies but just com- completely wiping out and destroyed. That's kind of the way the world does things. Mm-hmm. If they have an enemy, they just want him destroyed and killed and got, done away with. Right. That's not the way God works because his ways are much higher than our ways, which I'm, I'm thankful for. But... We're gonna go over because I found it. We found another word that the Bible, the, the Bible could have used. The Bible authors could have used if they wanted to get this idea out that the wicked were gonna be completely wiped out and destroyed, especially in the lake of fire, which mm-hmm. is really where our the eternal home of the wicked are gonna be. Well, I think God pursues everyone with a redeeming love, and in that regard, no one is a lost cause completely unless they choose to be. The scripture I want to go over today, and this is one that if you know, if you just read it off, you know, and we're going to read this scripture. And when you read this one, it's going to sound pretty bad right. uh, when you when you first read it. See, this is why context is king on everything. Right. That's you got to read context. So we're going to read Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is talking about the parable of sowing the, the sowing the good seed. Okay. Sowing seed, okay. It's called the wheat and the tares, basically. So we're going to read this really quick, and we're going to get to the passage of Scripture that talks about this idea is that, you know, the wicked are going to be, essentially this word is like, what would be used like, we would use the word incineratory mm-hmm. or incinerate. Um, you know, when you burn something fu- fully, that's, you know, you're incinerating them, you know, right. kind of like when you're cremating a, a body. Right, right. This is kind that. of the way this word is, is described. So this would be the word. If there was a word to describe this idea of complete destruction, this would be the word. Hmm. Okay. So what we're going to do is go over read Matthew chapter 13. And I'm going to start with verse 37 and kind of read on here. But I wanted to go over the passage of scripture that some people have used to prove that, you know, no, the wicked are going to be incinerated, mm. wiped out, completely destroyed. And this is one of them here. Go ahead and read Matthew chapter 13, verses 37 and following there. And he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. 
The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. Okay, that sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? Tares are going to be gathered. Right. And there's burned at the end of the age. That The word burn there, that really means incinerate. You're going to incinerate those, those tares at the end of the age. Right. This is when they were growing together. Right. And, and we're going to go over the parable here in a moment. Uh, Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned and are incinerated in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Now, that sounds pretty bad. Well, it sounds Re- like Armageddon. It sounds to me like, you know, you, it ain't, you ain't ever coming back from that. Right. But see, this is where, if I just if I just stop there on this verse, you would think, oh, man. There's, there's no there's way no you're, hope. there's no hope. You're not coming back from being incinerated because that's what that word means. Burned up, incinerated with fire. Mm-hmm. You got to keep reading. This is why our con, see, this is why a lot of preachers, Bible teachers, what they do is they stop where they feel like, oh, that's, if I just stopped right there, you'd think, oh man, that's, that's pretty bad. Right. Incinerated fire, you know, they're, they're gone they're, they're for, for good. But wait a minute, you got to keep reading. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep reading because the next verse there, The next two verses kind of explain a little bit more. Okay, so let's go ahead and read verse 41 here on Matthew chapter 13. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so now, see, we're getting a little more information about what's happening to these terrors. See, this is why, you know, if you just stop there at, they're going to be burned with fire, so it'll be at the end of the age. But see, what it is, this last part, so it'll be at the end of the age, the Son of Man, see, the Son of Man, in other words, what he was saying at the end, of what it'll be at the end of the age is that the Son of Man will come with the angels, which is describing the Armageddon event. Right. This is really, Jesus is describing the Armageddon event here. With his angels, and they will gather, in other words, this was a, a form of a, reaping and gathering situation here. Right. In other words, they're going to gather um, the kingdom of all the things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Well, we already know um, wailing and gnashing of teeth does not sound like an incinatory thing. No. And we, we've heard it actually in the weeping and gnashing of teeth, but that's the same difference. Yeah. Yeah. The same kind of thing. But we know that the wailing, weeping is, you know, crying, obviously. Mm-hmm. And we know what gnashing of teeth is based on a lot of other passages of scripture. That's anger. Right. It's described in being furious. Right. It doesn't describe here somebody who's being incinerated. But see, this is where people, if, if you continue, if you just stop reading there at this idea that they're going to be burned with fire, because here it says, and they will be cast into the furnace of fire. Right. Well, that sounds pretty bad. Furnace of fire. Right. <laughs> Boy, how are you going to, how are you going to survive that? But you see, what kind of a furnace is that? See, a lot of times, maybe it's not a, a not a kind of a real furnace, but see, furnace of fire, but there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth there. Right. So... We don't know what kind of fire this was or how this all worked, but definitely they weren't incinerated. That doesn't sound like incinerated because it sounds like they were they were weeping and crying because they were thrown into this this furnace of fire. Right. Described. You, we, we just have to read things in context because, okay, let's go back here and explain this parable. It, yes, they do get thrown into the fire and it does say incinerated, but then it describes 
really these people that they're just going to be in a situation where they're just not in the in the ideal situation they want to be in. Right. Okay. So now we're going to read Matthew a little go a little bit before that. Okay. Because that's the, it, Jesus is explaining this parable. We want to go into well, what does what does this parable actually say? And so this will give us an idea of what's see. This is why context is everything. You got to read what the parable is actually talking about in order to really get an idea of what's really going on here. So let's go and read Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 and following. Go ahead. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while this man was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to them, to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them up? And he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Okay, so we know the wheat, of course, are the righteous and the tares are essentially the wicked. Right. And we know from the, the what, how Jesus talked about who all these things are. It's the devil, the satan. Well, we would say today it would be like the satanic forces. Right. Are the ones that were the ones that were sowing the seed. So this is what's going on today. We live in a day and age where who's sowing the seed of destruction among the people? Well, it's the satanic forces are doing this. Well, and I think something that was brought to my attention is it's the idea that there's wolves and sheep's clothing. That's really what this kind yeah. of is more similar to. And there are people in the Christian community that have made themselves look like a good Christian, but they really aren't. And so yep. a lot of us are deceived by even preachers, I, I'm assuming, too. There are people that are acting as though they belong to God, but they are wolves in sheep's clothing or tares that are growing amongst and the whole the wheat. I thought this was very fascinating. He, there's a very cool point in this whole passage. And the cool point is when the servants asked him, should we tear them, should we pull them up? And he said, no, let them all grow together. Now, what I was thinking was, oh, if they if they pulled them up, then you're right. He could, they could pull up a, a wheat with it and you wouldn't want that. But he was getting everything, letting everything grow to mature. Let everything grow. So maybe he was thinking, and maybe, I don't think everyone, I don't know. Sometimes evil plans backfire, but maybe by growing them together, that made the wheat come to maturity so that it wouldn't be harvested premature. But the tares necessarily, maybe they'll never change. But maybe mm -hmm. in this figurative world we live in, maybe if people are used by the devil, but they might, because they're around wheat, might actually turn and be good. I don't know. But I thought that that was what I was thinking, that maybe in this whole visual thought here, wheats can never turn into wheat, tares can never turn into wheat. But in our world, if good people are surrounding someone who's masquerading as, as good, 
maybe that person might have a propensity to change because of the goodness around them. Well, I, I think this one for sure, you know, the, the, you can't make, because really people do change and can change. Right. And so we know from other parables that Jesus, you know, the, like the lost sheep parables and stuff like that, that people are gone off. Maybe, see, they, it was the people that, in my opinion, here he's talking about the devil is the one that sows the seed. Right. And so the people that are growing up amongst the, the, the weeds are growing up amongst the, they're actually the deceived people by the devil. Right. But we know that those people can change and that they can, they can, they can from other parables. So that's why a story, you can't use a story like this to try to make doctrine. Right. Because when Jesus was describing what it meant, he didn't say, okay, well, wait a minute, because I incinerated the tares, then I'm going to incinerate you. He never says that. See, this is where people jump to conclusions because they're reading a story. No, no. In other words, he, his idea was punishment right. or destruction of the tares, because that's what harvesting does. When you harvest something, you're just only going to keep the good and you're going to basically throw away all the bad. Right. But in, in this case, what you do with, you burn in fire. And this is also a description of the lake of fire. Right. Which is going to happen to all people that are going to get thrown there. Because what happens when you burn something bad in fire? Well, what happens is it, what grows up after what when it's burned is actually something sometimes good. That's right. why forest fires aren't necessarily a bad thing. Because what they end up doing is that they regrow the forest to more maturity and everything else. So it's actually a good thing. Well, that burning of the things in the forest, tend the, the ash is what causes the soil to regenerate. So, I mean, we all know that this weeping and gnashing of teeth is our people being separated from God. Well, yeah. And so this is why I'm saying that's why they're weeping. But see, this is also describing exactly as I stated on our show, where are the wicked going to go? Well, they're going to get resurrected, we know, from other pastors. Right. But they're not going to be in the love of God anymore. They are going to be separated. This is exactly what it's saying here. What happens? He's separating the wheat right. from the tares. This is what's going to happen to the people that don't accept Christ and don't accept his ways and don't accept the righteous, what he teaches, is that they're going to be separated and so the people that are going to be righteous are going to get New Jerusalem. They're going to be in a good place. Everyone else is going to get separated and being thrown out into the lake of fire. Right. Here, you know, here describes fire as a lake of fire. Well, the idea, though, is that the, the wheat, those are people who are his and who stay his. But I think it's all about choices. The people who are being used by the devil or as an evil seed or weed or whatever you want to call it, I believe those people have a choice. And for whatever reason, they're choosing to be used that way. Now, can these people choose? I think they can differently, but it's up to them. And I hate to say it, but a lot of people, they make the choice, and I don't know if it's their pride or what, but they don't want to change. They just stay with yeah. their choice. And I hate to say it, but God doesn't give up on people. I think, like you said, in the end, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I would rather do it now willfully <laughs> than be forced to do it or at the time where everyone is... Maybe God said so patient God that he's going to wait till everyone does it. We know, based on other parables, how this is all going to transpire. And this, this supports all that. Mm -hmm. That basically, there's going to be, they're going to be tossed out. They're going to be thrown out. Here, it's described they're going to be burned in fire. This is exactly 
where everyone's going to get thrown that isn't following Christ. They're going to get thrown in the lake of fire. Now, what that lake is and how that works, I don't know exactly. I don't think anybody really does. They're going to get cast out, but it's not a consuming fire that's going to cause, oh, you're going to be incinerated. This isn't really what it's saying here. Because here it, it, it talks about what there's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth as they're getting tossed out. It doesn't say they were going to be cease to exist or anything like that. Right. This is why I'm trying to get it. Now, we're going to go to the next one here in Luke chapter 3 that talks about this idea of incinerating. And this is something that's talked about that John the Baptist is referred to. So go ahead and read that one in Luke chapter 3, verses 15 and following. And the people were expecting and all were reasoning in their hearts concerning John, if perhaps he may be the Christ. John answered all together, saying, I indeed immerse you in water, but comes the one stronger than me, of whom I am not fit to untie the strap of his sandals. He will immerse you in the Holy Spirit and in fire, of whom the winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse the, his threshing floor, and he will gather the grain into his storehouse, and the straw he will incinerate with inextinguishable fire. Okay, this is talking, John's talking about who Christ was. No, he wasn't the Christ. Right. He was the forerunner to Christ. Right. But he was describing who what Christ was going to do. And this is pretty much describing what we read in Matthew. Right. How he, what, what, what's he going to do? That, um, you know, this idea of the winnowing, the fan, you know, that's what they used to do. They fanned the, 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 wheat so they get rid of all the riffraff right so all you keep is the good stuff and everything else it gets gets tossed out the storehouses and the straw of course the straw is a part that you can't really eat you don't eat straw right that's the stuff that's like the stock and the everything else or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you don't eat that you want to eat just the good stuff so what is there's going to do is what he's describing here is essentially a filtering process right that god is going to filter out the good from the bad. Right. He has a process to do this. That's why you're not going to be able to cheat your way into, in, <laughs> into the kingdom of God. God has a process that he's going to filter everybody. And it, it's the righteous that are going to make it in. That's a good wheat. And they're going to make it in. Everyone else is going to be... all the Here he talks about the straw being... Right. Basically being incinerated with, with everlasting fire or indistinguishable fire. So. Right. Again, he gets rid of the stuff that, that that's useless, so all he's keeping is the good. Right. Talk about a vetting process. He vets it completely and thoroughly. We're, we're trying to get this, this understanding of the process God is going to use in the right. end right. to judge everybody. And so, obviously, all these things have already transpired, and everybody's gotten judged. Now we're living in a situation where, you know, we're... Living in a day and age where people are growing up wheat in the, in, in the chaff, same as same as always. There's wicked and righteous people, even in the church and outside the church. We've got to be determined now to decide which one are we going to be. Right? Are we are we wheat or are we a tear? Mm -hmm. Are we good or are we the straw? Because see, this is what we're right. looking for. We're you know we we've got to make decisions based on on what what we are. Are we really doing what God wants us to do? Well, I we think. Not? You think of wheat and you think of tares or weed. We're learning more about what we think our weeds are really not that really weeds because they're actually beneficial. But these are actually weeds that were no good. The idea, though, is 
do you want to be useful and productive or do you want to be useless and thrown away? And I don't really say God throws people away. He, he allows people to go in the direction they choose to go. But I guess he, he, he doesn't really condemn us to uh, that lifestyle if there's always hope. And I think that's the thing is like, I really think that there is a redeeming love and aspect of God that a lot of people I think want to see, but they also want to punish or have punishment on the evil people. And I get that. My dad always said, you can fool others, but you can't fool God. And that's what you just said, that you can't fool God. He is the epitome of the lie detector. (laughs) Well, you know, I think what God's done is the way I look at it is he puts his spirit inside us. Each right. and every person has a spirit. In other words, it's kind of like a tracking device. <laughs> I'm serious when I say this. In other words, when God put his spirit inside us, when we when we die, that spirit goes back up to God and kind of like says, okay, I know exactly what all, like everything. It's like tape recording. Yeah, it's like recording everything that we've done our that's entire lives. And see, what's happened is is that he's that's why he's the perfect judge. Because there's no way we're going to be able to cheat out. What, not He knows exactly what happened to us because he was right there. Right. A part of his spirit was right there with us the right. entire time. So he's going to know everything that we've gone through. Judge the intent by the yeah. heart. And, but we have a soul as well. And, and it's what our soul is actually what gets judged, not our spirit. Because the spirit comes from God as like a tracking device. That's right. why I kind of look at things. I kind of use it in 21st century terms right. now people can kind of understand what God's doing. He's putting a device on us, which is his spirit that is telling him everything that's happening to right. us so that when our spirit goes back up to him, he's, he, he's a perfect judge and knows exactly all. He doesn't need a jury. doesn't need any, right, he knows right. exactly what happened the whole time with our it's lives. It's as though that spirit is the first hand um, witness. And that makes him the perfect judge and he'll understand anything we've gone through that has been tragic. and tra- That's why I'm saying well, we, we need to change now to do our best to serve him right away. Now we're going to go over another one in Second Peter. Okay, because Second Peter is one that, you know, if you read that one, it does kind of sound pretty bad. Like, you know, hey, it, 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 this, is a, this incinerary thing is going to happen at judgment. And in Second Peter chapter 3, we're going to read a, a passage of scripture here. That actually sounds pretty bad, actually. Okay. <laughs> when you read it at first, it kind of thinks, boy, that, that sounds like the world is just getting completely obliterated and destroyed. But I'm going to show you that's not exactly what it really means. So, so go ahead and read Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 there. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are that are in it will be burned up. Okay, let's stop there for a second because that word burned up is exactly the same word, the word that we're talking about mm-hmm. here. They're going to be incinerated. Now, that sounds pretty bad. I'll yeah. admit that you, you read that and That's you're all like, boy, I, you know, no one's going to make it through that. <laughs> but what this is talking about is the Armageddon events. Right. And I am going to, like I always do. I am going to prove this biblically. This is what this is what he's talking about here. Okay. But we're going to go ahead and continue to read because a lot of times I don't want I don't want I don't just say these things and go oh well I, that's just my own opinion. No, I'm going to have some scripture and revelation that's going to back this up because one of the one of the judgments that the angels do is it describes this event that Jesus is talking about here, mm. or that's it's talking about here in Second Peter. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you be 
ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Heavens will be dissolved. Of course, heavens means the sky and the air. It's just going to heat up like a furnace, essentially. Right, right, right. Kind of sounds to me like it's going to be like a heat wave going through, essentially. Right. Is the way this is describing here. It cooking everything around them. Right. When you read that, you're all like, "Well, that, that sounds like the world's going to be disco." You know, when I when I read this as a kid, I remember reading this and going, "Man, this sounds to me like this, like the whole earth is going to turn into a freaking French fry." That's what I thought. <laughs> you got to understand what he's what they're trying to say is that God's judgment is going to come on the world, mm. and just like the, like the whole world was flooded before Noah's day. Right. Okay, but yet. It, the world survived. This judgment is going to yeah. be a hot judgment. This is going to be the, the judgment during the Armageddon events here. Right. It, it, what Jesus, what, what's described here by by Peter, is going to be a judgment by fire. Right. See, God did well, four judgments. Yeah. Let me explain how God. Do, he there's been four judgments that God's put okay. on on the world. Okay. The first one was water. Okay. And that was, of course, we all know the Noah event. Right. That's found in Genesis chapter 9 and following. Okay. Then right after that is judgment by air. And that one was the Babel event. Remember right. when he confused all the languages and so people couldn't speak to one another in the air. Right. Third judgment was judgment by fire. Right. And that was the Armageddon event. So this is the third judgment and the last earth. It's it's the final right. judgment before new earth. So you got water, wind, fire, and earth. Four, the four elements that many of the Eastern people talk about, they're all discussed right there in our Bibles. All these judgments have already occurred and we're beyond all these things now. Now I'm going to show you because this Second Peter this, this this sounds pretty bad. It, it, when I read that, I'm like, that sounds like the world. That's why I thought we never went through this because it, I, I it, the world hasn't turned into a French fry yet. So I figured, well, if we're still on it, but you see, what we're not factoring in is that all these judgments aren't the whole world isn't going to go under this this thing. It's just going to be parts of the world that are going to. And I'm going to show you because. In Revelation chapter 8, verse 7. I'm going to read this verse really quick. Unfortunately, what people don't understand, and this is why you have to read a more accurate translation of the Bible sometimes, because like the King James and New King James, they didn't they don't mention some things that I wish that they mentioned. Okay, so okay. I'm going to go ahead and read Revelation chapter 8, verse 7 in the New King James, but also if you read the King James Version, it also has something very similar here. So go ahead and read Revelation chapter 8, verse 7 there. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown into the earth, and the third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. Okay, see here it mentions here a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Okay, so wait a minute now, trees, I don't, that, it's kind of confusing. Now, I read this in some other versions, and most of the other versions of the Bible... Do, have added something else in. And so we're going to read it in the Apostolic Bible Polyglot, which is my favorite go-to um, <laughs> go version of the Bible because it's very literal and it also corrects a lot of these problems. Okay, So I'm going to read that again, that verse again, 
in the apostolic Bible polygon. Because here it just says here, and a third of the trees were burnt up and all all the green grass was burned up. Well, that's kind of confusing here. But you read some of the newer, and almost all the newer translations have corrected this problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. That it wasn't the necessarily just the trees that were burned up, but there's a third of the earth was burned up too. And let's go ahead and read Revelation chapter 8, verse 7 in the Apostolic Bible Polyglot there. And the first trumpet, and had come to pass hail and fire being mixed in blood, and was cast unto the earth. And the third of the earth was incinerated, and all green grass was incinerated. Okay, so here it says something a little different. It didn't say anything about the trees being incinerated. It just says that a third of the earth was incinerated. See, that's describing, and you know, I'm just reading that. That's kind of describing to me Second Peter event, mm-hmm. where what's a fervent heat event and right, all you know. Right. So, but it wasn't you know. It's, it didn't say the hundred percent of the earth. It just says that the earth would be burned with fervent heat in in, in Second Peter. But then you read Revelation and it describes well, it's not going to be the you know the whole earth. It'll just be like a third of the earth, right. a third of the land essentially are, are, are going to go through this fervent fervent heat events. And I guess the other two-thirds, I guess, are going to be spared. And, of course, the righteous judge God would determine which areas were going to get hit hardest and which ones weren't. But the point is, is this is what the Bible is actually talking about when it comes to these events. Right. And so when I read this, I'm like, okay, we now know that the first, second Peter event is exactly what was talked about during these this first trump, the first trumpet. The right. angel came down and... Sound the first trumpet, and this is the judgment against the nations. And a third of the earth was was incinerated, and the grass was incinerated too. So in other words, it just it just a trial by fire. And of course, I think you could kind of see this in a lot of a lot of the melted buildings around. I right. think this happened during that time frame. A lot of mountains were melted buildings actually that just got melted in this exactly. fervent heat. Yes. But see, it was only a third of the earth got affected. The other two thirds of the earth obviously wasn't affected mm-hmm. by this fervent heat problem. That well, that was a judgment against the nations. Right. I'm just trying to get us to understand that a lot of times when we read these things in our Bibles, we kind of think, well, you know, you ain't coming back from that. Just like you know, <laughs> with just like with a flood, even though the whole world was flooded, we know that certain people were spared. And this is exactly what happened on the fervent heat judgment. Not everyone was completely obliterated and wiped out. There were still many people left over after this event happened because two-thirds of the world wasn't obliterated with fervent heat. Right. It was just the areas that were getting harshly judged, apparently. Right. And that's what God did. He judged. He he was judging the, uh, the nations, and he was judging certain nations harsher than others during these during these Armageddon events. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I call it the Armageddon events. I think it's more like judgment against the nations. Armageddon was the war that happened right bef- right when Christ was coming down, and then he kicked butt with the angels right. and destroyed that whole army and everything in, in, in Armageddon. But then after that, after he got his, solidified his power and destroyed that army, then the angels came by and they did their work Right. Doing all these events to judge the nations. Right. And this happened for quite some time. And then after that, you know, of course, things calmed down after he had his reign. 
and um, it rebuilt Jerusalem with the holy ones and all that. Right. And that's what they, and where they dwelled with in the thousand years. Right. So if you understand the time of how everything went, it seems like everything kind of makes more sense. But, I, you know, I just wanted to share this with you a little bit because a lot of times we read these passages of Scripture and it sounds on the surface kind of bad. Right. And this is what I'm trying to say. You know, a lot of people just jump to conclusions because they read just the surface details. Now, I'm going down to the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get all the detail of what this is talking about here. And so when I read something, I'm like, boy, you know, it sounds like when Jesus returned, it sounded like nothing survived. Right. But then, you know, you read Revelation, it was a third of that happened mm-hmm. during that fervent heat problem, her fervent heat event. Right. It was a third of the earth that got destroyed. But what, what Peter was trying to warn his readers about was that they would have to go, they could be caught up in this fervent heat problem right. if they didn't turn to the Lord. And of course, we don't have to worry about that. What we have to worry about is judgment day, the moment that we die. See, God is a righteous judge and gives us all the way till our death to change. That's what I was thinking about that parable of the wheat and the tares. He doesn't yep. pull them up prematurely. He waits till they yep. all are matured to the end of their, I guess, Cycle. Se- seed life. Yep. And then when it's time to be harvested, your time to die, then you're going to be judged. Right. Every God has given everyone to the last breath, mm-hmm. to your last breath to change. And you can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thief on the cross is a prime example. Exactly. We talked about that in a previous show. That guy, in the last minute, he was <laughs> even at the very beginning, he was ridiculing Christ. Right, right, right. Yeah, I proved this biblically that he was ridiculing Christ, but something in his mind thought, well, you know what? You know, things didn't work out for me, I, and he changed. Maybe and he was deluded and thinking he wasn't going to die. <laughs> or maybe He, he finally came to the reality set in, yes. and he turn to Christ at the last minute. Right. But see, that's what God wants each and every person to do. Right. Change their ways, change their heart. See, it all has to do with a heart change. Exactly. Okay. It's not about following a bunch of rules and a bunch of laws and stuff. God wants us to have a heart change and he knows if our hearts changed or not. Right. Okay. Cause guess what? He's got a Holy spirit and he's got a spirit inside us. That's making sure that our hearts either it's changed or not. We're not going to be able to fool God with, with, with a deceitful heart. No. Because his spirit is inside us and he knows if we're lying or deceiving or cheating or whatever right, else right, we're doing. Right, right. He knows if we're hiding sin or whatever else. He knows all that. Right. We aren't going to be able to hide that from God because he's in there right now. He's got his tracking device in there. <laughs> That's what I call it. His spirit is inside us, goes up to God when we die, and then we're going to be judged. It's a little holy... <laughs> and so, see, we can't hide anything from God. That's why the best thing to do is just to repent of our and change our ways. And then right. God will give us all the things that we ever desired and want. Well, and that's really, he wants all of us to do right, to live holy and righteous lives. And he gives us the tools to do that by his word and the spirit that he gives. I think the, the spirit he gives us is a guide, but some people put that guide on mute. And they don't want to hear from him. And other people crank up that voice and they do exactly what it guides them to do. And I think that's really what a Christian life is, is being guided by the right influences. Or well, the ungodly life is being guided by the wrong influences. Yeah, well, they definitely live in a dark, deceptive age, that's for sure. I mean, we must be vigilant. <laughs> 
We must be manly. We must be fortified, standing firm in the faith, doing everything out of love, not only because it's biblical, but because it glorifies God. Join or contact us at satanslowseason.org. This is a non-copyright, living in Satan's little season production.